0: Welcome to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. Here, you will find discussion on all things EMDR, from emdr approved trainers and consultants, as well as some co-hosts. EMDR is an approach to the entire therapeutic journey, not just reprocessing trauma. This podcast will feature discussion on the therapeutic relationship, understanding and using the original eight-phase protocol, and what to do to bring deeper understanding to the why behind EMDR and what to do when you're stuck. This podcast is an invitation to connect and learn together about EMDR and the process of psychotherapy. We are glad that you're here.
1: All right. Hey guys, welcome back. To notice That an EMDR Podcast. I am here not completely by myself. Um, I've got a couple of guests today to talk about something really exciting that um, I've just recently learned about in the last, gosh, month or so, I think. Um, yeah. So, To make a long story kind of short, we wanted to do this bonus episode as a way to introduce a new device that is available to the EMDR community. And um, I heard about Sarah Stone, uh, let's see, it's probably about a month ago and just briefly heard. And then I got in contact with Tyler and Kiron after a few weeks after that, and was able to hear more about their business model and the things that they hope so to see happen with this in the field. So I'm really excited to just get to share with you a little bit about what I've been learning on it and then introduce you guys to something new and kind of a new shift that might be happening in the field of EMDR and therapy practices. So welcome Tyler and Kiron. thank you guys so much for being on here today um thanks if, for having us yeah we're thank so you excited <laughs> yes yeah so actually just for context will you share where you guys are currently located because we're connecting from all over right now
2: karen you want to start
3: <laughs> sure yeah i'm calling in from uh rockport texas outside of corpus christi uh, but generally i'm based in new york city
2: yeah, and i'm in uh san luis obispo in california central coast baby beautiful, sunshiny day today.
1: (laughs) I am smack dab in the middle in Missouri, so we're actually getting some nice sunshine today, too, finally. Thank goodness. But, well, whoever wants to start, will you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what this company is that you started?
2: Absolutely. Um, Hey, everybody. I'm Tyler. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Cero Health and uh, actually got my start in finance and economics, but uh, didn't really get to be as creative as I'd like to be. And I've heard you get in trouble for doing that in the spreadsheets and finance. And so I actually started a creative agency. And for the past six years, I'd been running um, a design firm, running, working on different design projects for user experience and product design. Um, but I was a client of EMDR myself and I used some tappers um, that were wired and I thought were going to shock me and I also couldn't use them remotely. Um, And so kind of that kind of kicked off this whole project of building tools for EMDR therapy that aren't stuck in clinic and don't um, look intimidating or scary um, and something that I could use by myself at home alone, which we'll get more into as well.
1: Yeah. So you as a client first came to experience what EMDR was and say like, Hey, we need to do something about these
0: devices.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Being a product guy, um, like always loving technology and, and well-designed things. Um, it just hurt me that, well, one of my best friends is an EMDR therapist too. And he actually showed me his tappers before I started sessions and, um, lamented about one of the motors broke off of the casing and we had to like fix it with super glue that night. And, um, I was just like, this is crazy. I thought he was going to shock me. He was my, he's my best friend, you know, like, um, <laughs> thought he he's going to play a joke on me. And yeah, I, I thought tappers weren't going to work. Uh, I didn't really think that things vibrating in your hands would, um, change how your mental state was. And, um, <laughs> I, man, was I wrong? <laughs> yeah.
1: So, how um, how did the two of you get connected, and Kieran? What's kind of your role in the company?
3: Yeah, uh, I'm a mechanical engineer by background, and I've basically had a career in hardware startups. So taking things that uh, that were kind of niche and bringing them to market and, and seeing how they do has been has been what I love to do. And um, so so I kind of do that again at uh, at Cero. Uh, you know, we're, we've we've got a zero that we're trying to make a one here, uh, something that didn't exist. We're trying to make it exist and Um, Tyler and I met because we were fellows at a startup program for people who were trying to figure out what to do next. And we had a hackathon coming up And because I'm mechanical, I can only do hardware things. So I put out a, I put out a bad signal for people who wanted to do, wanted to start a hardware company in a weekend. Um, and Tyler was one of the crazy people that actually said yes, uh, and, and came with this, with this product and, uh. I came with this idea and I said, that's doable. We can actually do this. Um, and, and, and that was, that was the entire weekend. We, we spent um, building out the first version of this product uh, cool. together. Um, and, and we just said, we don't hate each other. Uh, let's, let's see where this goes. And, and that's where we are today.
2: Yeah. It's funny because we, we, um, we, it was all remote. So this is like middle of COVID and this is a year ago, um, last February, February 17th. It was our anniversary. If you guys, uh, <laughs> last week, we didn't, we didn't do a lot to celebrate, but we will soon. Um, we met, yeah, it was all online. So figuring out how to do hardware online was a fun oh, wow. thing to do. And then we hacked a PS4 controller and cut the handles off and then 3D printed new handles. So they're still wired, uh, but you could control them remotely, which was the coolest part. So that was like the first remote EMDR session, I think ever with tactile bilateral stimulation.
0: Okay, I yeah.
1: love the story. The first yeah. remote was by hacking a controller and YouTube yeah. It all virtually. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. And then I didn't meet him in person here since he's in New York until may, I went out there for my birthday, uh, with my fiance and We got to hang out. I saw he had legs and, you know, this whole COVID world thing. (laughs) It's pretty funny.
1: Half of his body.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
1: Very cool. Well, and to hear, I think I've gotten to hear that story before today, but the piece I love so much about it is this, the energy that I can feel. And like, we came together with this idea. I have this skill and ability. I have this really great idea and interest and in a weekend we bring that energy together and create something that if I remember right, you actually received like an award for.
2: Yeah, we won uh, the unicorn award, which was like the most likely to become a billion dollar business, wow. which we we got it. We didn't win any like the main awards. We got that one as like a community award. And honestly, I think that's the coolest one anyways. So <laughs> we were pretty excited about it. Um, and we yeah, we found out a week later and we're like, OK, we kind of have to make this a thing now. People. You know, we had a bunch of people reach out from the community who had said EMDR saved my life and EMDR, you know, what you guys are doing is incredible. Like, you know, commend you guys on what you've done in the weekend, you know? And so, yeah, all that kind of uh, belief capital, we used that to fuel the next part of our journey.
1: Yeah. So to take that, what starts as just like a crazy idea and a fun weekend project. And to be acknowledged and recognized by other people to say, this feels like a legitimate thing. Um, And for that to turn into what it is, which for the listeners, what we're talking about is, you know, a device, an EMDR device that's not not like the others (laughs) from, we haven't gotten to experience them hands on yet, but a lot of exposure to just you guys talking about them and seeing your website from what I can see, they're very modern, very slick, very user-friendly, something that like I, you know, we don't have anything even similar to that here at our offices. So I think the the potential is really exciting. And I wanted to do this interview today so that our listeners could hear what's kind of happening in the field. That's one thing as a podcast video is just try to keep everybody up to date of like Where's the latest research? Where the, you know, the shifts and changes in the community happening. And I really feel like on a gut level, this is a a new direction that EMDR, we're gonna see kind of head in. And the piece of it that feels the most exciting is we can actually do it remotely. So I wanna kind of cue you up to talk about that aspect of the device is we don't have another way to do remote sessions with tactile um, Mm -hmm. bilateral stimulation but we could do that through your technology. Is that right?
2: Yeah. That was, that was like the starting part. Um, The starting point was during COVID couldn't use my devices with my clinician and my best friend who is a therapist said, you know, it was too risky to lend out his devices. Um, He works with um, uh, people experiencing homelessness with severe you know, mental conditions. And so it's a, a tough, it was a tough situation for him not to be able to help um, in during COVID. And it's like when I saw the devices being so so simple in practice, you um, know, I knew the first thing to do is cut the wires, <laughs> uh, you know. And then the second thing was to make them be able to be used remotely. So at least when you're in person, you could socially distance. But then when you have to do a telehealth session, you know, I'm across state I travel a lot, uh, up and down the, uh, the coast and not being able to do my sessions, like ta- self-tapping for me did not work. We've talked to hundreds of other clients, 300 therapists by now, uh, EMDR therapists and, um, eye movements are complicated to do online. Like just the other forms of bilateral stimulation have caveats over telehealth. And I mean, nobody was prepared 99% of EMDR therapy was done in person before. And there are a few brave souls who did it remotely before. And uh, we've had a few stories where people were chastised for that because they, it wasn't indicated to be done on online. And, um, but we're, we're seeing now like studies coming out, it's exactly like, pretty much exactly the same, if not, if not better results in some cases. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a changing landscape to a, a more, I think a hybrid model where people will. I personally like going in person sometimes and then I like being at home sometimes so I can ugly cry and you know <laughs> and eat chips and watch a show afterwards and not have to worry about driving home and people seeing me crying in my car cuz I have a personalized license plate and everybody knows who my car is you know and I'm in a small town so um yeah <laughs> I think it's here to stay and we need better tools to support that
1: yeah you know even just thinking on this podcast platform, we talk a lot about like the neurobiology behind all of this work that we do. And even just thinking of it through that lens of trying to do like self tactile, um, it's calling on different parts of your brain to have to be able to think through, okay, now I'm in the tap right, left, right, left. And to also follow the cues of when the therapist is saying, okay, now start, okay, stop a little bit faster. A little bit harder, you know, like those cues where, mm-hmm. with the device that you've described, like the client could actually have them at home and the therapist is controlling all of that from an app at their office. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, the client gets to sit there and be in the moment, they get to notice that, yes. and just that, not am I doing this? Am I doing this well enough? Like it, it was, it was interesting because it was like playing into my own security insecurities and like what we were targeting in the first place, which was like, am I doing this right? Yeah. Am I, am I doing, am I as productive as I can be? And am I doing this right? And you know, that's, that's was my first journey. Like my first target was that feeling that negative core belief. And now I immediately started feeling that when I was tapping myself over a video call and it was so foreign to do, um, And I didn't feel that connection to my, to my clinician and touch is one of our most powerful connection points. And to be able to have that virtually is a gift.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole processing of, am I doing this right? Is already kind of a barrier in EMDR as a whole. But then when, when they're left to actually administer the bilateral themselves, and there's so many pieces to keep up with, I think there's too many layers that then stand between them and being able to really like sink into the experience and allow the processing to happen.
2: Yeah. And I do want to add that I think self-tapping is an amazing skill that I still utilize Mm -hmm. um, when I don't have my tappers, which is, to be honest, not very frequently that I don't have them (laughs) because they're so they're so small, I just leave them in my pocket uh, when I go out or um, into my backpack. But Oh uh, my video froze there for YouTube people. Yeah. Gotta get that back on. <laughs> um yeah. If you guys didn't know, shout out to Jen's new YouTube channel is coming in. Um really excited for that. Uh so yeah, self-tapping, I, I think it's amazing. Um I think there's like something to um having agency over um over your your treatment as well in some cases, but for me personally and for most clinicians I talk to and their clients. It's about focusing on the target um, that they came in to to focus on. Yeah. Not learning a new skill necessarily. You can learn that once regulated.
1: (laughs) Right. Kiran, for you on like the engineering side of it, uh, what do you see as some of the most like immediate vision? This is what we want. And then even like long-term vision of maybe what you could grow into or desire to be able to do.
3: Oh man, so I'm I'm hesitant to say everything I'm going to say because I I don't know if <laughs> we we can always change our path and uh, B oh, yeah. uh, Tyler and I haven't confirmed that we want to go down any of these paths. Uh, but uh, but I, sure, um, yeah. Today we want to be able to make the best uh, the best tappers ever, and that's that's outside of the the in person versus virtual aspect. If we can just make it the best experience ever, that's going to be. That's going to be great, um, but we want uh, we want to have additional information about your client. Like, or, or as, as a client, like, I'm 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 always interested in, in how my body's reacting to something. So sensor integration is going to be a big one for us. We're actually uh, already looking into that today for measuring, uh, like, what do we want to measure? What are the most important things to measure? What can we measure? Can we provide an objective measure of distress rather than a subjective one? Um, that's going to be, that, that's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, but even beyond just an EMDR device, like, can we make, can we make any sort of, uh, neurotech device? Can we make, can we, can we make the things for what comes after EMDR? Uh, that's, that's really where our head is. Like the sensor stuff is in the next couple of years, but you know, 10 or 20 years, what is post EMDR and how can we be there to, uh, to hit it?
1: Yes, and just the that was one thing when Tyler, you and I first got to talk um, as you shared that piece, just like the excitement of how broad this could really get. Like it, it could be huge and transformational, and just the format that you're talking about now, like coming in and offering this device, but to be able to say, like, what could something like this do on an even more generalizable level where it's not just for an EMDR session, but what are other ways that this technology could be used? And as you're talking about those, to be able to objectively track disturbance and progress and to see that happen, even if um, that's not for a while, it's really cool to hear that there's there's a, you guys and a company out there thinking of it in that way and trying to stay on like the, the edge of like innovation in us, not just getting stagnant and saying, well, these are the things I've always used. So these are the ones I should just keep using, but staying creative and saying, how do we continue to improve this? So we can understand our clients better, respond to their body's cues and be able to like step in and offer what they need in that moment.
2: Yeah. And I think you said something really important there. It's like, the education barrier. And you know, when we're when we're either it's a, you know when you're explaining EMDR to a client or trying to understand how to use a new tool, it should be intuitive and s- simple. Like the a therapist's role is to be there for their client in, in in this in this deeper way besides I think there is a there's importance to psychoeducation but it doesn't always have to be coming from the clinician themselves. And you can have a lot more deeper work if you're focused on the processing rather than necessarily even resourcing could be, you know, strengthened in between sessions, which we've talked about, um, like how, how, how can bilateral stimulation be used in between sessions to have a client come more prepared to a session? You know, like for me, I, you know, I've, coming, coming regulated to my session allowed me to tackle more targets. And my clinician had a conversation with me about it. They made sure I didn't go, go into processing speeds because I had neurotechs at the time and before building our own. And, um, yeah, I think on the side, I wanted to touch on what Kiran's saying. It's like, there's a huge opportunity for heart the hardware to improve, but also like the software side, we don't, there's no tracking, um, of, like we, we, it's all paper and pen and then into note systems and seeing how, how a client did over time or, um, objective measurements of treatment, like, um, heart rate variability or galvanic skin response, which are some of the things we're looking into, uh, can give us a better insight. And then these hardware devices that we're using to help regu- emotionally regulate can actually be controlled by whatever input there is. So if somebody is in a hypervigilant state, you know, like I find myself in quite often, um, it can help to, it can be, the devices could turn on at a slower pace with lower intensity to help bring you down. Or if you're in a hypo aroused state, you know, speed up, um, with higher intensity to bring you into that window of tolerance. You know, that's, that's really the goal is like, how do we build tools to keep you in your window of tolerance during sessions?
1: Yeah. Even I'm having a similar experience to the first couple of times I've talked to you guys in this moment hearing you talk about it again, it's just, um, I mean, I've never had the product yet. Like I haven't touched it, I haven't played with it, I haven't used it, but just to meet another startup company with the same energy and excitement and enthusiasm towards like moving the field in this direction gets me so excited. And I know um, in our last meeting, Bridger and I were both together in that. And we just left that thinking like, this is so cool. Like to hear, like, I I just feel a lot of similarities with you guys of like, hey, we were, we're not that far removed from a startup company of just feeling like new in the field and young in the field with the business structure wise. But then Having such like exciting uh, ideas and vision, and an ability to actually get there, so I think as beyond we're beyond healing, we're just so excited to support the vision that you guys have and to continue to like stay excited and introduce this idea to our listeners, and I hope all of those things come true. <laughs> Kieran, I know you said like I'm hesitant to say because we may change our direction or see what comes up, but. Um, I'm excited to see what does come out of all of this.
2: Yeah, it's all based on what's going to push the field of psychology forward. Um, like we, we were talking the other day about like our slogan, like devices over drugs. <laughs> um, you know, how do we how do we implement things that are play, you know, playing well with our physiology and not just like manhandling them and forcing them to do what we think they should do? because there's unintended consequences of that. We call those side effects. Um, And I I also want to note, like every single person who's in a practice, who is running their own practice, you are a startup and you are an entrepreneur. And you guys like, yeah, Jen, what you guys are doing is a startup. It's not easy. Um, And I think you guys deserve that credit as well. You guys are independent businesses, entrepreneurs uh, pushing the bounds. So yeah, appreciate you all.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a hard road to, to pave, but it's exciting. And I think as we like, we get to interact with so many therapists who several are parts of like companies and agencies, but so many are independently out there doing a very similar thing. So, um, any ways that we can all collaborate on, like, how do we influence the field and support one another in this way? And I think that can be from, we emphasize like building community a lot, but that can even be in, like, to, you know, building our, building up our devices and our systems and the where our clients can connect and get resources, which is a lot of what you guys are talking about. So I want to open it. Up to giving you guys an opportunity to throw questions at me based on what kind of responses are you getting in the field so far? So, you've kind of put out a website, you have some products out there already, um, people can pre order. What are you running into that you want to say, like, hey, what is, you know, from a therapist perspective, what might be going on here?
2: Giran, yeah, a great, great question.
3: <laughs> I want to hear like what uh what is your magic wand uh feature in an EMDR device or a tapper? Like what what is the biggest thing we could fix right now or anyone could fix right now that would make your experience even better? Yeah. That's that's number one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean I can't help but to have all of the features you guys just talked about in my mind <laughs> and saying like, well, it would be all of those things you just said. So um honestly, Our
2: brainwashing is working. You're <laughs> <here> on. <laughs>
1: <Sure>. <laughs> really the biggest barrier. Um so I still I, I mentioned to you at another time, like I still have my original set and I've had to like replace certain pieces of it. I have stuck with the traditional and so. The cool, like, modern look, that's all really exciting and I think could be user-friendly. Dropping the wires, absolutely, now that we sit with a bit more distance, um, that is huge. But the thing I feel like I'm most excited about is the virtual ability to do tactile. I can do, you know, like, I can make it work with the device that I have and have for, like, a decade now. But to really say, like, I don't have an option of how to offer tactile bilateral to my clients virtually, and I still do predominantly virtual therapy. Um, and so that's huge to me and really exciting to have that.
2: Is what are you most is there any concerns about have like clients having devices alone? You know, we've heard um, a few people have con- that concern.
1: Mm-hmm. So my initial feeling on it is I don't have concern because whatever your devices would be able to do, they could, they could do that themselves anyways like if a client wants to go home and attempt to process trauma on their own they can attempt to do it with or without a a device, right? Like they can cross their arms and tap their shoulders really quickly and still try to create that same processing. So I don't think it's actually like exposing clients to this risk or danger. Um, I think it's about the therapist or even maybe some of the the services that you guys talk about, like teaching and introducing them to this is the purpose of it. Healing really isn't meant to happen alone. Like we are... Mm -hmm created to be in community with other people. And our stance on healing is it's, it's done relationally. Like we heal through relationships and, um, a therapist client relationship being really important for that healing process. And the device to me is something that enhances it and it supports Mm. the nervous system and being able to access the stored material that may be behind so many barriers of like, uh, defense mechanisms and, and, Other constructs and strategies that they've put in place, but it's not like that tool is gonna, um, you know, cause harm or or damage somebody just because they have this quick tapping. It's about how it's structured, how it's presented and utilized, and a lot of that is set up to you know therapist client are kind of navigating. This is how you would use that.
2: Yeah. What What are some pieces of education you already you already mentioned uh, a few for uh, showing a client how processing alone like it's it's i I guess it's kind of like uh reminds me of um you know being a parent uh i'm not one myself but i think a lot about it because i'm engaged and we're planning on having kids and uh, i think about like my dad now and like his perspective being a parent and Anytime he told me to do something or didn't tell me not to do something, that's definitely the thing I wanted to do. <laughs> so what is kind of, yeah, what, like, how do you do that in your practice? Um, I, I'm sure you probably have this conversation with clients already, not to try to process uh, alone. Um, how, how can we best be good stewards of that same conversation and help in that process?
1: Yeah. I think the education piece of it, like where, you know, there could be something that could educate the clients on it. If the therapist isn't already doing that, um, you know, as I imagine the clients are trying to work on their trauma all the time with or without devices, like our, our systems are designed to do exactly what the devices are helping it do. We do it all the time without a device. And so, um, to process material is not a new concept for them. I think it's the idea of bringing in the bilateral that gets people really like frightened, but we're giving too much credit to the bilateral to say like, Oh my gosh, this is going to somehow cause all of this harm. So I think any type of like education around that, like videos that they could watch, even supporting the therapist and educating them on it. Tyler, you've told me at one point that you would have ways of restricting the speed is that the kind of in the, the buildup of that of maybe they couldn't have access to do the really fast bilateral or long, um, the buzzing back and forth to prevent some of that?
2: Yeah. So by default, that's all locked for a client. The only thing a client can do um, in the very beginning when they first get devices is connect to their therapist and then their therapist decides what are the programs or access the client has. So it's up to the therapist's discretion. Um, Although like uh, most of the time it's going to be like, we want this to be a simple thing, just like figuring out how hard do I tap? You know, you're going to have to, there's sliders for intensity and speed. So we don't actually show that we show those to therapists because you guys understand what that means and how to adjust to those, to to keep a a client in the window of tolerance. But for a client, what they want is, I don't want to feel stressed. I don't want to feel anxious. I have these thoughts in my head and I'm ruminating and I can't get them out. So it's like, what are the options? You know, here's the calm place. Here's um, a safe and sound protocol, or here's, um, here's your container. So you can take those thoughts out. I mean, that's my one of my favorites as a ruminator. Um, And I can play that back and, you know, that's something we're trying to figure out like what is the best, what is the best approach? Because nobody's really built a system for clients to be able to utilize their resources in between sessions in a a way that's accessible. Um, And kind of like bulletproof, like uh, the reason Peloton is doing so well, it's all you have to do, the only decision you have to make is to go to your bike, which is probably in the other room, and then to get on, to put your shoes on, clip in, press go. And then once you're already starting, even the, even the, the, the instructors are like, you're already here. You might as well do it. You know, you're already here. You, that's the hard part is just starting. And so we wanted to make it as simple as possible for a client to just start, you know, like when I feel anxious, the last thing I want to do is meditate or anything mindful for me. The thing I probably want to do is like, go to one of my vices, like nicotine or uh, video games or variety of other things that I probably that are just going to make me feel worse. And I know they're going to make me feel worse yet. I still do it. And then the, then the cycle continues. So I'm like, how do I make it just dead simple for me to just grab my Sarah stones, sit down for 10 minutes and, you know, listen to the voice of my therapist, walking me through my calm place while my stones do the work and pause and play and, um, are at the right intensity for me. That's, that's the ideal state, I think,
1: um, yeah, to be guided through that versus saying, okay, you're anxious now just go and like, think about that really like calm place that we talked about in session, but like, well, actually I'm so anxious. I can't even get my brain to register and remember the details of that. Cause I'm always thinking about this other situation. Um, oh, yeah, you're like
2: ruled by your amygdala, right? Like once, if you're living in your amygdala, you don't have, there's no, There's no uh, logic or, you know, uh, control over emotions that that's not useful when you're running away from a cougar (laughs) and you've got, it's not, it's not which tree it's how quickly, like, it's like quickly get up this tree as fast as I possibly can, no matter what. And so, yeah, there is no logic system there. So you, you can't rely on like yeah, no, I'm not going to eat this entire bag of Oreos like, because that's going to make me uh, feel bad. It's like, no, that's going to make me feel good. My amygdala is like, on fire and I just want to calm that down. So yeah, you've got to activate the prefrontal cortex and what better way than bilateral stimulation to move out of that animalistic state.
1: And as something so supportive and gentle to walk you through that process, um, and especially something that's maybe been even individualized to you by your therapist or is able to be like personalized in some way, uh, doesn't just feel like I'm getting on a YouTube video to follow something. Like it feels like this is me, this is for me, and this is a special place I can connect with my therapist without them necessarily physically being there, which was a just one other point that I think is a great feature to say, I can offer a platform that my clients can feel connected to me and the work that we do when they log into this app, whether I'm on zoom with them or not, we have certain pieces put into that, that they feel connected to me and are getting the benefits of therapy without it having to be a therapy hour.
2: Yeah. It's the, well, I was just thinking about what do we call this like second office or something like, like, Offer your clients you, like your yourself on demand, but you still keep your barrier, your uh, your um, uh, what's barriers. that called? Not barriers, but boundaries borders, around. boundaries. That's it. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we all need those, uh, especially now. Um, and but how do you still support in between session, in sure. a in a meaningful way that's personalized? And I just want to you know uh, be clear for everyone listening um, what we're what we're, we're hoping to get to this point, and we'd love input on how, what is the best way to, how, what's the best way you all have supported your clients in between sessions, and what have you found made the most most difference? Um, it could be psychoeducation, or a specific resourcing uh, exercise, or just a framework for how to educate clients on when to use resourcing in between session. We'd we'd love to learn because this is something we're actively building out right now.
1: So just to kind of put emphasis on that, the, the two kind of call to action moments, I think, in this whole interview are one, listeners provide insight, feedback, um, experiences, questions, maybe things that you feel uncertain about or something that you feel really excited about that you heard and and be a support to the startup company in figuring out what direction do they really like emphasize going in and how do they build this to be something that we as therapists can't wait to get our hands on and to get into the homes of our clients. The second call to action being um, there's a pre-order, Sign up, right? Like a way that they can get on and pre order something. If you're interested in finding out like price point and packaging and and all of those things, check out the website, sign up for the pre order. Um, As a startup, like you need an an influx to show, like, hey, we've got device people who want these devices before we can go into production on them. And so I know you've had production of uh, a few different orders before but if we want to continue supporting you where do we need to go and how do we do that
2: yeah absolutely i have to add a third message though too at the okay. end yes uh, which is <laughs> um but yeah how, we, how you support us is is really just getting on the pre-orders it's like showing people that like emdr therapists do deserve better tools mm-hmm. um because people were talking to it, like investors and such they don't think emdr is worth investing in they think it's too niche, and not enough people are ever going to need EMDR therapy, and we believe that is just completely wrong. Um, and so, so, like showing showing them, you know, that people are interested in in progressing uh, available tools for their clients is the number one way to support us. Um, and for your listeners, we're we're offering an early discount, for, like for this for. For early supporters um and the website is hello Cero, and sero is like serotonin so s-e-r-o hello uh, com, and then you're going to do a backslash and then it's early supporter so hello sero.com backslash early supporter and i think it'll be in the show notes Excellent. as well make sure I'm there that right.
1: there's a link in the show notes amazing
2: yeah and my oh my third my third point to shout out is um, if you're not already subscribed and following and have notifications on for Jen and beyond healing center, I mean, I've been a huge fan listening for last few months and, um, I've learned so much from listening to them. So I want to give a shout out back to them because uh, yeah. they deserve it. They've been working hard and, um, I'm excited to see the YouTube channels really come together and, I uh, hope for some of you seeing, seeing this right now, um, <laughs> uh, live, hey.
1: I uh, was gonna mention that I had forgotten earlier. We got connected um, through Rotem, who I had heard about through someone else. Just like chain of connections, and I just thought, oh hey, there's this guy named Tyler, and I'll talk to him about what's going on. And you're like, I'm actually a Patreon member, and I'm subscribed. And I was like, oh, that's so crazy. So small world. Once you are in the EMDR community to some degree, everyone seems to know somebody.
2: Yeah, Rotom's amazing. Actually, uh, he reached out because he had been doing a YouTube video on all the different types of devices, and it might be the first compare. I'm a huge tech guy. I watch all the comparison videos on YouTube, and he had the first one that I had ever seen, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. So he reached out, and he's like, can I get some some prototypes to test alongside them? I'm like, heck yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> we're building them as fast as possible, I, I promise. Um, like we're we're really yeah we're everybody who's listening who's like waiting for prototypes I know I feel you I'm I'm we're trying so hard uh, hardware is hard yes uh, to build so oh,
1: really? it's just us
2: like, me and Kiran small team here wow. <laughs> you know?
1: Okay, well, we will wrap up here, but I imagine um, we have some devices coming our direction, I believe, where we'll get to try them out. And so we'll get to talk about this again because once we get to use them, we would love to connect on here and share more with our listeners about our just personal experiences and opinions of them. So uh, we'll get to, I'm sure everyone listening will get to. hear from Kieran and Tyler again soon, but don't hesitate to find the link in the show notes, connect, give your feedback, um, and just support the startup company in any way
0: that you can. So thank you guys for listening and we'll talk again soon. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will help you help your clients in the process of EMDR therapy. If you are curious to learn more about something that you've heard today, check out our website at www.beyondhealingcenter.com and go to the trainings tab for more information on our upcoming EMDR and case conceptualization trainings. You can also contact us by emailing trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review, and follow us on social media by searching Notice That Podcast.
3: this podcast is a project of beyond healing media a media creation group committed to creativity community and embracing the beauty of being human if you like this podcast you might also like the other podcasts of beyond healing media beyond trauma is an educational podcast on the journey of trauma therapy and what it means to be humans who have been hurt but are learning to recover and grow living the life we all want of safety and connection
2: The Burnout Educator is an interview-style podcast that invites stories from people across the spectrum of the educational system and seeks to see the human inside the role they play. It is our desire that you see parts of your story and those around you in the stories you hear.
0: The Evidence-Based Therapist is an educational podcast where we read so you don't have to. On this podcast, we discuss seminal, recent, and relevant research on psychotherapeutics and the embodied relational sciences. How do we know what is evidence-based and how do we use it in our practice? You'll find out on the EBT Podcast.